Welcome to the Red Half of Sheffield, a Sheffield United podcast by two American Blades fans. My name is Noah Snyder, and I'm joined, as always, by Chad Jarvis. And how are you today, Chad? I'm doing pretty good. Off the back of yesterday's pretty, I mean, we played well against Hull. A good win. And we're on some sort of roll right now. So I'm a little, you know, I don't want to be too optimistic. You know me, I'll be typical Chad, pessimistic Chad. So I'll find the bad and everything that's good. But, I mean, we're on we're on a roll. What is it, 11 goals in three games? Yep, yep. And four, four unbeaten at this point. And, look, I mean, we can talk about the quality of the opponents that we've had in our last three games. But at the same time, I mean, we're – producing resounding results you know over teams that we're expecting to be in the bottom half uh and like really near the bottom of the table going to be probably propping up the table come the end of the season so yeah great win over whole city in a i guess you can call a derby i mean yeah it's really funny like i because i i read roy's view from prior to the game and you know, most of like their supporters are just like, yeah, they're it, not even really a proper derby. Like Wednesday are our bigger rivals between the two Sheffield teams, and then after the game, they're just like fucking hate Sheffield United, calling us blunts. You know, the typical <laughs> sour grapes insults. So, you know, we tweeted out earlier. You know, that just goes to show you what an awful loss at home will do to your hatred of uh, another club. Yeah, right. Absolutely sour grapes after after our resounding win over whole city. And the scenes at the end were pretty great, I have to say. Great little cheer for Egan, who got two goals in this game. And yeah, fantastic win. And you got to feel... Go ahead. I, re- I read something where it was his first brace since 2014 when he was playing for Jillian against Port Vale. So that's pretty yeah. crazy. It had the look of the, the first goal, and I know we'll touch on it later. The first goal, I just had a feeling that he was going to score. I was like, I like because the camera panned to him, and, you know, that whole little mess that was going on in the box there, I was like, just go and get me one. Go and get one. And he goes up, and boom, ball comes right to him. Slots at home. Oh man, that was awesome. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad Egan is scoring. And how long has it been since we've had a center back or a defensive player, defensive minded player, score off of a corner? You know, it's been so long. Was was it Wolves at home? Wait, was that Egan or O'Connell who got that? I think it was. Ooh. I think it was Egan. Yeah, it would have probably been him. I think Basham scored a goal last year at some point, but it, I know last year we didn't score any off corners. Yeah, I don't I, think that, so. That was our first corner goal since 2020, like 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 the 2019 2020 season after Project Restart. Yeah, that's an insane yeah. statistic that we didn't that's score nuts. a single goal off of a corner last year. That's nuts. Absolutely nuts, man. And and we got two in, in one game. But I think, look, that speaks to the quality of Connor Hurrihan, who put in both of those corners, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, agreed. So let's get into it here. 
This one took a little while to get going, but Hull seemed to actually have some early spells of possession. They had the first chance on a ball that was struck from outside the box that went over the crossbar. Uh, they had a few corners as we tried to find our foothold in the game. No serious threatening chances. Good positioning by Olsen on a cross that came into the box uh, that he snatched out of the air. And then our first real kind of half chance came in the 12th minute the law firm Morgan Gibbs White slipped in a perfect ball looking for Brewster who just wasn't able to get a good shot off due to a good defending slide tackle from the whole player but from there on we had really good possession and the breakthrough finally came at the 17th minute Fleck pinged a ball over to Balduck on the right hand side Balduck exchanged with the law firm who got it to Davies. It went back to Balduck who slipped it back to Morgan Gibbs White running down the right-hand flank. He crossed it into the box and Billy Sharp beautifully headed it into the net. Fantastic cross from Morgan Gibbs White. Great cross, great goal, Blades 1-0. For all the work that Billy has put in in what the last three or four games, working his ass off and not getting a goal to finally get his goal. It was like, see, it was all worth it. You know, you had three assists in the last game. That was great. Or against Peterborough, you played okay against Preston, but I mean, now everything, it fulfills him and Bill Sharp, as I call him, Bill Sharp, not Billy, because he is 35. Billy sounds like he's a little young kid, but Bill Sharp scores goals. Billy Sharp scores goals, sir. Sir William of Sharp. And, <laughs> yeah. and we called it, didn't we? We, we? we absolutely called it. We said he was going to get his goal in this game. And yep. sure enough, 17 minutes in, he, he gets it. So yep. the next chance came for the Tigers. McGinnis got the ball on Hull's attacking right-hand side. He put in a pass looking for a streaking player, but Baldock got there just in time to save a surefire chance. And... Uh, that was some good defending. Balduck had an up and down game because, I mean, look, he had the secondary assist, if you can call it that, or the, the hockey assist on 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 the initial goal. And then he was responsible, really, for us conceding in the second half. But he didn't have a terrible performance. I'd say he probably was like a, a six and a half out of ten. Yeah, I would agree with that. In the 32nd minute, Fleck made an amazing marauding run through the center. And let me tell you, he's done this in all three of the games since the international break. And he just looks a different player. I, I, I don't know where this Fleck was. I think it, a lot of it has to do with the relief coming from our attacking center mids. You know, like the relief from Morgan Gibbs White. He doesn't have to be as responsible. And it allows him to make these attacking runs like right through the center. And he's done it in every game. And I absolutely love it. I love this coming from Fleck. And he slipped it to Morgan Gibbs White, who had a cracking shot from about 19 yards out. And it really did take a hell of a save from Matty Ingram to keep that out of the net. Yeah. And I mean, when Fleck started with the run, you were like, all right, because it kind of came out of nothing. The ball was over on the far hand side of the of the pitch and he just gets the ball and he's like all right he sees the acres and acres of space he has to run across the pitch and he I, I was yelling at the T go 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 and then he let it off or laid it off and 
the law firm, I mean, he, he did what he, he does what he does. I mean, he, he shoots and I like that. And, and more to your point, since he's came in, it's like Flack and even Norwood when they're both in the game together, it's like, you can see that they have less stress on them Yeah, to where they can do whatever they want to do in the midfield. And it's shades of a couple of years ago when they actually didn't have as much stress, unlike last year when they couldn't pass away out out of a paper bag. I mean, so it's good that we found a midfield player to take the stress off of those players. And now it's opening up different paths and different ways to move the ball instead of just us trying to pass it out wide and get it to the strikers because we can't pass it through the middle. You know, the law firm opens so much up when he's in the, when he's on the pitch. Yep. Definitely, definitely, and I I also think that Indaye does the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I, he didn't he didn't feature in this game, but I mean, you look at the players who were missing from this game, Injai, Berge, like I you hope that uh, I know Berge got injured, like right he was in the side, like yeah. he was actually supposed to feature, and they pulled him right before the game started because he picked up like a little hammy injury or something like that but i mean god i i we could have it could have been an even more devastating result for for hull i think had both injai and and berge played in this game yes 100 percent. i mean it sucks that burger had to be pulled out because of the injury obviously we don't want to aggravate it and we hope he, he comes back either against Southampton or we just save him for Derby at the weekend. But then we had to slot Brewster in there, who I thought didn't play very well. It was like almost like somebody just woke him up out of bed and said, hey, Brewster, you're, there's a game in like 10 minutes. Get ready to play. And it and he was like, uh, 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 okay. And then he got into the game, and I didn't really like what he did yesterday. I don't think he had a poor performance. I just thought he had a bang average performance. Yeah, nothing special. Nothing he gave special. the ball away. He gave the ball away a lot in the first half, though. It took him a few minutes to get rolling because you could see him just like, "Hey, what color are we? Are we, uh, as they call it, amber?" Which they kind of look like they're ye- like a mix of yellow and like a dark yellow and orange, but they call it amber. And I don't know what color shirt are we in and he kept giving it to them and i was just like dude why do you look like you don't want to play today well i mean he was put into the lineup last minute i think he can't probably came into the game thinking he wasn't gonna make it into the full side maybe he hadn't mentally prepared for a full 90 but you always have to be ready at a moment's yeah. notice to go full 90 if need be mm-hmm. yeah exactly so in the 34th minute richard smallwood Hilarious name, by the way. I know. I Dick know. Smallwood. <laughs> Hilarious name. Dick Smallwood. <laughs> he, he took a shot from 30 yards out that was easily saved by Olsen. And, you know, to, to the point that we were just getting at here, Brewster had a number of shots in this game, but they found the keeper every time. And you just feel if he had taken like a second on on the shots that he was taking from outside the box to place it, he would have forced the the keeper to make a good save. But uh, like I said, he he didn't have a bad game. I was just disappointed with some of his decision-making as far as the shots were concerned. And we 
quickly give the possession back to Hull. And, you know, those shots didn't have a prayer of finding the back of the net. He, they were just hit right at the keeper every single time. Just take the the half second to, to properly place it. Take a look, look down, take the shot. Yeah, and, and what I was wondering is, like, you know, when you're on the training ground, like, you have these players that just warm up the goalkeeper. It looks like that's all he was doing. It was just, like, shooting at him with ease. There was no dip, no swerve, no none of that. You know how these fancy players can do all these fancy things with the ball? They were just like, here you go. I'm going to have a go from this far out here. Try and save this one. And, oh, it's routine. It's so easy for the goalkeeper. That's what I was frustrated with. He's taking the shots from so far out. Yeah, disappointing for sure. In the 40th minute, George Moncur put in a cross looking for Deshaun Bernard, who got ahead to it on the right-hand side of the six-yard box, but he headed it right out of play. Not a good header at all from him. Didn't even get it on frame. And then in the 42nd minute, Lewis Coyle missed badly on a shot from outside the box that was high and wide. This came off of a corner. And then immediately following that, Morgan Gibbs-White, Again, I mean, we're, we're talking, how many times have we mentioned the law firm so far just in reviewing this game? Fantastic game from him. He slipped a ball to Sharp, who got past the whole defense, was taken down in the box by Jacob Greaves, who cynically fouled Sharp, and penalty was awarded. Greaves got himself a yellow card for that offense. And was Sharp clear on goal? Should that have been a red, do you think, Chad? When I when I saw the replay back, I didn't think it initially, but when when I saw the replay back, it looked like he Billy was in on goal and he was the last defender, so therefore it should have been a red card. They should have been down to 10, 10 men, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I've seen a couple people say why it shouldn't have been a red card, that there was another uh, whole defender on the other side of the box that was pretty level. And then conceivably he could have made a run to, to challenge Billy in on goal. But at the same time, I don't know, there's the spirit of the law and the letter of the law. And I feel like according to the spirit of the law, yeah, that probably should have been a red card. Yep. Anyway, on the ensuing penalty kick, Sharp tries to drill it low and hard into the left-hand side of the net, but it is saved by Matt Ingram. And initially when I saw it, I thought this was a bad penalty by Sharp, but I really think it was a better save rather than a poor penalty. Yeah. And, and if you're paying attention, most of these penalties now, they're like a good majority. It, it used to be a sure thing when you stepped up. And if you don't do that little dancing run-up thing at the spot and then slide it in, wait till the keeper moves and then slide it in. The keeper is getting to most of a good majority of the penalties now. And there wasn't nothing wrong in my eyes with that, that penalty that sharp took. I mean, he just, I mean, maybe he could have slotted it just a little bit further to the left, but I mean, I'm agreeing with you. I think that was a good, good save from, from holds keeper. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting because Sharp had not missed in a long, long time. That was his first miss, I think, in a few years. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. So we go into the half up by one. Following the break, George Honeyman replaced Josh McGinnis for Hull. 
And this guy was a right asshole. He fucking pissed me off throughout that second half. He came in, he immediately got booked for a bad foul on Osborne. And yeah, I mean, I I don't want to say the word that I have for him in the back of my head because, you know, we do drop a couple of F-bombs in this podcast, but we we would like people of all ages to be able to listen to it. We have some foul language, but it's not really, you know, we're not cursing the the whole time when, when we're doing these reviews. But yeah, he was, he was, ugh, he, he annoyed the crap out of me in the second half. He was a I pest. I, te- I believe I texted you right when he came on to watch out for George Hunneman. I mean, yeah. I've watched him play at Sunderland before they let him go a couple years ago. And yeah, he was, he's going to be a pest in midfield. And what did he, what was he on? Like 60 seconds and got a foul and a yellow card. So, I mean, yeah, he's, he's just a pest in the midfield. He just likes to irritate the other players. That's all, that's his game. But he, he, he was just – I'm surprised he wasn't starting. I didn't know he was out with an ankle injury, and that's why he came off the substitutes bench. But he usually starts for him. He was, like, really big in the promotion season last year in the midfield, and he picked up that injury, I believe, before the season started. So he's coming back. But, yeah, he's – he is a major pain in the ass. Yeah, definitely. And he showed it in this game. 49th minute, great buildup from United as Hurahan got it to Balduck, who tried to put in a cross, but it went out for a corner. And then, and then on the ensuing corner, a ton of wrestling and fighting from whole side. Egan made a great little juke just to get away from his mark, and Hurahan puts in that corner that finds him. He heads it into the back of the net, and Sheffield United go up 2-0 on Hull City at this point. Fantastic corner. Like we said, our first set-piece goal all season, and the first one that we can remember in a long, long time in, you know, like, like we said, since I think, I think that game against Wolves at home. When, yeah, when probably, we scored yeah. in like, what was it, like the 93rd minute? Like literally the last driving. kick of the game. Sorry, It was ahead. driving rain too. It was dri- it was raining like hell, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay, yeah, now it's coming back to me. I think you might be right. Yeah, uh, and the call, the call was great from, from BBC Radio Sheffield. Perfectly planned, excellently executed. Yep. Class. Exactly. Yep. Good goal. Another point that I want to make is, like, conversely, uh, we defended set pieces very well throughout this game. And, you know, set pieces have been kind of a bugaboo for us throughout the season to this point. But we were we were the first head to balls on corners and on free kicks uh, near the area and really, really good defending on set pieces in this game. So Hull had a good chance at the 55th minute. Richard Smallwood, again, hilarious, found Louis Louis Coyle at the top of the 18-yard box who took it on the half volley and shot it right at Olsen who made the save. 56th minute until our third goal, we had amazing possession in their half of the pitch. And then in the 60th minute, Osborne made a great little run to the center of the pitch and found the law firm who struck just a venomous, venomous shot from 24 yards out with his left foot. And Ingram had to make an amazing save to keep that one out. Had eyes for goal 
and corner is given. And then again, on, on that corner, more fuckery from, from Hole. Morgan Gibbs White was like tackled, proper rugby tackled to the ground, but it didn't matter. Hurryhan takes the, the corner and normally when Norwood takes the corners, he doesn't get it past the first man. Well, Hurryhan took it. He found the first man. That was Egan, who just took a touch off of his like neck, basically, and into the back of the net. Egan at the double, 30 minutes left to play. Fantastic to get two set-piece goals. And it really looked like that was something that they had worked on at, on the training ground, you know? Oh, yeah. And I don't know. It seemed every time we had a corner, it would take like, 25 minutes for us to take the corner because there would be wrestling and then Billy Sharp was doing whatever he was doing with Honeyman and they were pushing and shoving and I Billy like elbowed him straight in the jaw yeah I'm surprised the ref didn't send him off yeah but it's like every one of our corners took like 25 minutes to take and this was this is another good one it was just Egan found it and put it home yep I like I like saying that that our defenders score. I like that defender score because that's what set pieces, that's what you draw up these set pieces on the training pitch for. So they can, you can put them to the task in the game and they actually come to fruition and we score a goal. That's what I like to see. Yeah. Yeah. My, my thought when I was watching Egan there on those two goals, I was like, is that John Egan or Harry Maguire out there? Proper slab head stuff right there, you know? Yeah, right. Anyway, good stuff. And we move on. Our resident geriatric, Adeline Guerriera, came on in the 65th minute. And he he made an impact. I don't know about a positive impact immediately, but uh, he got a yellow card for his troubles after a really harsh tackle. Uh, And it was just kind of like a yikes sort of moment. He comes in, immediately gets booked. Yeah, I mean... I wonder if they allowed handicap parking if he had if he was able to use his placard to park closer <laughs> to the stadium so he didn't have to walk in so far. But I mean, yeah, he did literally come into the game, was in for like 15 seconds and created a massive foul. <laughs> and he goes in the book. I was like, great, we've we hired a goon. We we signed a goon to just go out there and, and put in brass tackles and get sent off within 10 minutes of being on. Cause I was like, Sure enough, he'll go another 15 minutes, have another rough tackle to give me a yell, and be gone. Well, I think I kind of feel like Slav put him in and said, Yeah, we're winning, but go send him a little bit of a message to these, you know? Yeah, it was after our third goal, the game kind of started to get out of hand. There was a lot of fouls on hole, and then we started to, you could see we could, we were getting irritated, and we started to foul back. So, I mean, it, the game got a little chippy after our third goal went in. Yeah, definitely. In the 70th minute, former Blade Tyler Smith came on to replace George Moncur and immediately had an impact for Hull. Louis Coyle slipped a ball to Smith, who was surely in, but was called offside. It was close. Definitely would have been like something that was VAR checked in the Prem. And in the 73rd minute, Brewster took another shot from outside the box, went high and wide. And almost immediately following that, Hull got their goal in the 74th minute. 
Again, Tyler Smith made a good run and crossed the ball on the ground to Keen Lewis Parter for whom it was just too easy. Just a simple tap in and really Balduck should have had that covered. Yeah. It, it was almost like we'd switched off a little bit. You know, we were up three nil, just kind of trying to see the game out and then Hall just do this and kind of got a goal out of really nothing, honestly. Yeah. I mean, and it was just with Olsen was like mm. Okay, whatever. He just got beat. Yeah, shitty goal to give up, though. Yeah, and first goal that they that they've scored in six games. Of yeah. course, of course, you knew we were going to concede that. Like, and that was the most games that they had gone without scoring a goal, like in their history. That like they yeah. had tied the record, and of course, you knew we were going to give up the the goal so that they didn't beat that record. 100%. Of course. Well. We did get 10 minutes of Chris Basham, who replaced Ben Davies at the 85th minute. I thought he had a few good touches in his limited time. Love seeing Bash back out there, and I'd like to see him more regularly. I just I don't know where he features in this lineup, considering, I mean, to this point, Big Slav has liked his, his uh, two center backs of Egan and Ben Davies, so... I mean, maybe this is kind of his role. He comes in for either Davies or or Egan if need be. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's sad because we all love Chris Basham so much, but I just don't know where he fits into this side at this point. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I'd love to see him come on because they, I think the presenters on for the game yesterday said Basham's coming in. I was like, oh, cool. He's going to get to feature in our side, you know, in a mop-up duty role, but He'll probably get some run in the cup, I would imagine, this week just because we're going to have squad rotation against Southampton. But it's good to see him. It sucks that he can't – I mean, they there's no room for big for him in Big Slav's team. You know, it, it's just like he was so good. Last, I mean, he was like one of our glimmers of like a bright spot in the side last year. And to just see him just completely go out of the side and not really feature any much kind of sucks. Cause I really, I'm a really big fan of bash, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I just wish he would play some more. So hopefully we get a couple of deep cup runs and bash can feature. Yeah. That would be nice. Wouldn't it? Well, yeah. Like you said, he'll certainly have the opportunity on Tuesday to feature against Southampton. Yeah. Finishing up this game first though, 89th minute. Again, Brewster took a shot from outside the box after receiving a ball from Osborne, saved easily by Ingram. And again, not to belabor the point, but you have to feel that if he just takes a quick second for placement on those shots, maybe he might test the keeper. But he he didn't test the keeper at all. And he had, I think, four shots on target in this game. And none of them, none of them tested the keeper. Yeah, I mean... I think it's because of his like the the mental timer in his head to to thinking about like players closing him down. You got to think we're in the second division now. The players closing you down aren't going to be as quick as where we were last year. So you have maybe an extra second or two to even step into the shot or like you said, place it, and you might have a, a good result might might happen instead of shooting it right down the throat of the goalkeeper. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent, Chad. Really last decent bit of play in the game came in the 91st minute. Ollie McBurney had a chance from the left-hand side of the box, and that was really it. 
Game finishes 3-1 to Sheffield United. Good win over a team that we should be beating, and we did it handily, decidedly. So who was your player of the game, your man of the match in this one, Chad? I'm going, I mean, I don't know how you can. I'm going to go with a law firm. You you have to go with him. I mean, yeah. he, he's just, he's like we talked about before we recorded, he is not a championship player at all, 100%. He is a Premier League player, and hopefully Wolves scouts are not watching him blow it up in the championship just quite yet where they were calling back in January, and we hope that Wolves, please get your form straightened out start climbing up the table so we can utilize him for the entire season. Yeah, you have to feel that if Wolves are in a relegation dogfight that they're going to do what they can to, you know, try to climb their way up the table. And, I mean, by all accounts, they they I look, it's very early in the Premier League season, only five games played to this point. But, yeah, they're in and around the bottom right now. But, I mean, the hope is, is that they're going to right the ship and they won't be in need of an attacking center mid like Morgan Gibbs-White come the January transfer window. And we can hold on to him till the end of the season as we continue to push, fight our way up the table. I mean, what's really amazing is that in a week's time here, we have gone from, what was it, 23rd in the league? Mm-hmm. And we are now 15th in the league in in three games, which is fantastic. And we have a couple really, really good opportunities to further climb up the league. As a a week from yesterday, we play Darby, who are a bit of a shambles at this point, going into administration, having an additional nine points being deducted, possibly 21 points being deducted from them. And, oof. You kind of feel for for the Derby supporters. I mean, nobody likes to see that. But weren't Luton Town in like a kind of similar position a few years ago? Luton Town had come from all the way from uh, League Two, Division Four. Yeah, they they've been. I mean, it's it's one of those things. Like I heard yesterday, or read somewhere yesterday, League One is turning into the division of the Giants that have fallen. You have the likes of Wigan, Portsmouth. It's going to be Derby now because they're going to they're going to get hit with at least minus twelve, if not minus nine. So, and then you have the likes of even as bad as we don't want to say Wednesday have gone gone through the same thing. So they're down there. Um, so it just it sucks, but it's a realization of modern day football when you have these owners that come in and they want to spend all this money all this money and then it doesn't pan out. And then all of a sudden they just start dropping. Yeah. Like perfect example is Sunderland. I mean, back to back relegations because they had an owner that had them so massively in debt that they couldn't afford to pay the players. And now look, they've been down in league one for so long, knock on wood. They look like they're doing fine this year and second in the league, but it's just, it's one of those things. If you have an owner that just goes completely out of control and tries to buy championships and tries to buy titles and cups and stuff like that, it's not going to work. It's going to be detrimental to your team further down the road. You know, you got, you got a short-term gain, but a long-term loss almost. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I feel you there, Chad. And 
I mean, the good news for Sheffield United is based on what we've heard from the Prince, we're not in dire straits financially at this point. I mean, yes, we didn't buy any players on permanent during the transfer window, but at the same time, I think we're in a much better position financially than a lot of these clubs that have, like you said, been in dire financial straits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... This Tuesday, we have a game in the Carabao Cup against Southampton, and it's uh, this is going to be an interesting game. I don't think we're going to feature a lot of our first-team players just because we want to get them rested for our game against Derby, which, you know, at this point, our focus really should be on the league. But Southampton drew to, uh, today or yesterday – uh, against Man City, nil-nil. That was their last result. And their positioning is 15th in the Premier League at this point. So, you know, bottom half of the Premier League table. Their form hasn't been, you know, unreal as of late. I mean, a draw against City is a good result. I will say that. Mm-hmm. They, they drew against West Ham, but West Ham were on a red card. Um... Oh, you know what? That was actually later in the game. That was at the end of the game. Well, I'll just say this. They drew against West Ham the previous week. They drew against Newcastle 2-2. And their form hasn't been phenomenal as of uh, as of late. They have not won in the league thus far. They've drawn against some good teams, though. Look, they drew Man United. They drew City. They drew West Ham. All teams that are in you know the, the top half of the Premier League. So I I think this is probably going to be a bang on loss considering that we're probably not going to be starting our our best side, our best 11. Mm-hmm. But who do you think is going to feature in this game for Sheffield United, Chad? Well, I I don't think it's going to be so, I mean, I know we talked about this before the beginning before we recorded and I had us like 2-3-0. I mean, Southampton's going to re- they're definitely going to rotate their squad as well because obviously they're like, oh, this is a Carabao Cup. We really don't have any chance at winning this. I mean, so we might be in with a shout, but I can see us like going heavy rotation because, you know, we're more concerned about the league than we are in any cup. So we'll probably put League One West in. He'll probably get some run. Um, I think Grandpa is going to start in midfield. I think we will. I think we will go with him. Bash will come in. Norrington Davis will start. Baldock will start. You don't think Bogle gets a run if he's recovered from his mm. diarrhea? Yeah. Was that was that what he is? Is that true? Is that a true statement? I mean, that's what Slav said in 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 his presser. He said yeah. that Jaden Bogle oh, had. Jaden Bogle apparently had the runs, and that's why he, you know, wasn't on the training ground a few days ago. I had a lot of diarrhea. <laughs> that's, that's what you want to know? Your manager said you were sick. Yeah, I had a lot of diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, I had a diarrhea, and then... Uh... <laughs> Oh, well, it's funny. Oh, boy. That's a little too personal. Well, if he, okay, if he has 
came back because he looked fine yesterday on the bench when they showed him. If he's come back from his bout with diarrhea with the runs, he yeah he'll slot in for Baldock, and then I think in Dai comes in, will Hurahan will start I believe Fleck will come out, the law firm will probably come out. I'm hoping I'm hoping McGoldrick is is healthy. No no word on what he's been out with. He's been just out with a niggling injury. I think yeah they haven't really said, and I think Brewster's gonna start up front. We'll yeah. keep Osborne in. Sharp will go out. Brewster will come in. We might go two up front. We might put McBurney might start. I don't know. It's so hard. These cup games are so hard to like predict, predict. the lineup because we could go, we could call kids up and just say, here, play this cup game because we're going to give all our starters a rest. So yeah. it's so hard to predict the lineup for this game. I agree. I agree. I actually think Robin Olsen will probably start this game because I, I think he needs a little bit more run. He's only had, what, two two games uh, in yeah. the league thus far, so gives him a little bit more run. He'll certainly face a lot of shots in this game, I think, and mm-hmm. it'll put him to the test. And, I mean, yeah. if we want to win this game, I, I don't even know if we want to win this game. Do we even want to win this game against Southampton? It would be nice, honestly, it would be nice if we didn't win this game because then it would be less fixture congestion, you know, less fixture congestion down further down the road. But I think everything in the Carabao cup is played before December, like the, I, cause I think the finals in like February or March. Yeah. So like the semifinals, the quarterfinals and stuff like that take place after the new year. So I think we only have a couple more rounds left in this calendar year to win because the big boys came in last round and I think the top six of the Premier League don't come into this round. So now everybody's in the competition. So we'll start thinning the herd, so to speak. And it's good. We don't need this fixture congestion further down the road. You know, yeah. we need, if we can, if we can get on a roll and stay on the roll in the league, like we are and take these cup games out of here, that's fine. Cause then that gives our team an extra week to, to prepare and rest and heal any niggling injuries they have during the week leading up to the game so we can be in better form to attack the league on the weekend. I think that that's some good analysis right there, Chad. I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. So, I mean, I don't mind a loss in this game. Do you have a score prediction? I'll, I'll say it's probably going to finish 2-0. I hope we get a goal, though. You know, this will probably be where Brewster scores a goal or something and it finishes like two to one, but my, my mind's saying two nil Southampton saints. Yeah. Do, do you think uh Shea Adams starts in, in this game for them? It he's been, he's been playing for him in the league. So it, it's just tough to say when, when they beat Newport County eight nil in their first game of the Carabao cup, uh, they had a loanee from Chelsea Brogia come in and he net he started up front for him and I think he netted maybe one or two goals against Newport County so he it very very possibly could be that he starts instead of Shea Adams but you know if they if we give them a bit of bother and Southampton want to try and advance further in this cup they might empty their bench and put all their starters in and all their key players like James Ward Prowse and, and, and players like that Kyle yeah. Walker Peters and is stuff like that. So I don't know. It, I don't want us to lose, you know, because it's hate. It, it sucks to say 
you want your team to lose, but you know, I, I want us to be in the game where we're just enough of a bother for them, you know, where we have to make them like worry. Yeah. Make them work for it. I mean, why yeah. not? You know, don't lay over, don't lay out, put in a competitive side, but don't roll over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we sign off here, Chad? Other than thanking the fans and everybody that listens to this pod each and every episode and keeps growing this little engine that could and keeps us wanting to do this every every single match review. I want to just say thanks to, but we, we say that every week, but we, we can't say it enough. Thanks for everybody that listens to the pod. Yeah, I want to echo those sentiments as well. Yeah, thank you to everyone who continues to listen to the pod week after week. And I mean, it's really been, I'm not going to wax too poetic here. It's just been amazing, like, you know, the the following that we've had, you know, especially like on social media and everything. And yeah, that ties in really well. If you haven't done so, please Give us a follow on Twitter at Red Sheffield. Give us a follow on Facebook at the Red Half of Sheffield. And Chad, where can the people find you personally on 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 social media? They can follow me at Blades in the USA, which I have admittedly not been posting very much on there. In that, that that's my apologies. I will do better at that. Just work and life have been so crazy. But you can follow me on Blades in the USA on Facebook and Twitter, and you can also follow me at at C Jarvis underscore 13 on Instagram. And you can follow me, Noah Snyder, on Instagram at Sunpuck. <laughs> and then you can also follow me on Twitter at Nessman930. So until Tuesday when we play Southampton in the Carabao Cup, up the blades, Chad. Up the blades. Come on, you red and white wizards. Mm-hmm.